Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Austin is adapting to and building the future in real time. I'm Michael Scharf. We are exploring and driving our transformation into the next innovation powerhouse. I'm Jason Scharf. I'm a bio-researcher at UT to the assembly line worker at Tesla, from the musician on 6th Street to the coder at Dell. And with the founders, funders, and early employees of the next great startup, we are all Austin Next. Today, we continue our conversations about talent. Who companies need and how do we get them? Are we positioned for our future demands? We've talked about the pipeline. We've discussed middle management. It's time to turn to executive talent. More than any time in the past, it is the decision-making prowess of a senior team that drives its success or its failure. Top-tier talent isn't grown overnight. The question for Austin firms is, do you build up your internal talent, recruit from outside the region, or is it the dog-eat-dog of Austin companies pulling from the same local pool? To help us understand how Central Texas businesses are dealing with this challenge is Lisa Novak, VP Employee Experience at Data.World. Lisa is responsible for driving the organization's strategy for acquiring, developing, and retaining a diverse team of the industry's best talent in this highly competitive market, as well as building programs that support an incredible experience for their team members. She has over 20 years' experience in human resources leadership, primarily in the technology industry. Prior to joining Data.World, she led HR organizations for companies including Renew Data, Sigmatel, and Brooktree through periods of extensive and rapid growth, M&A activity, and strategic evolutions, all while helping create positive and motivated cultures in the organizations she served. She studied business and human resource management at Texas State University and the University of Texas at Austin, and earned and maintains her SPHR designation. Lisa, welcome to the Austin Next Podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. So let's start off big picture. How would you describe the talent situation in Central Texas? I think it's it's hard to even narrow it down to Central Texas because I think we're having the same or seeing experiencing the same story as folks are all over the country, and that is a real uh, mix up and shift uh, in how hiring has to happen, where we're finding talent now, flexibility in the talent where we're looking for. And so I'd say where it's not unique to Austin, what has been unique to Austin is, well, we've been spoiled the last couple of decades. We haven't had these kinds of challenges, so so to speak, to overcome. Industry has certainly, and we've we've rolled along with with industry changes as they've occurred um, and and economic changes overall as they've occurred. But this, this new thing that's happening in the talent force nationwide, that's super new to Austin. And- is that because we've had that steady influx? Is it because of the demand side hasn't been as outstripped by the, the labor? Why, why is that so different now versus historically it's not been an issue at all? Yeah, I think Austin was really fortunate in the way we built industry, you know, all those years ago. We built it with the idea of attracting talent along with industry. And so, you know, even 25 years ago, we were talking about the influx of the Californians coming to Austin, you know, the great takeover of the of the 90s, right? 
But that's because we built an attractive environment to bring that talent in. And we've been really fortunate that that, you know, wink nod, the, the word has spread. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, we've also got, let's face it, seven universities pretty much in our backyard. And so we can pull from that. We're building the talent here in Austin, too. But the influx is really what has changed the city. So when you think about the challenge right now, let's, let's be specific on what it is. it a skill set challenge? Is it a straight up scale challenge? We just don't have enough people. Is it particular areas where we have strengths and, and or have weaknesses? Really, what is the dynamic that's going on? I don't think it's a lack of skills. I think it's a it, we've seen a lifestyle change amongst candidates and the the um, employee market, so to speak. And so the little joke I've been saying for the last several months is the doctors have become bartenders and the bartenders have become bloggers. And so we can't find folks who already have the skills we're looking for because everyone's taking about a half a step or some big giant leap, um, rethinking their careers as a whole. Uh, We had that accidental opportunity to to, to reset our lives, to rethink about what we're doing. And, and we were all on kind of this fast train going forward. And then suddenly there was a big, you know, global pandemic that made us stop and think. And, uh, and so what we're seeing a lot of is, is lifestyle changes. You know, n- nobody, nobody lost their skill set over the last 24 months, uh, 20, two months, um, the, everyone still, still exists, uh, uh, in, in that, um, with their skill sets still exist, I just think that that's not necessarily what everyone wants to do anymore. So we're seeing people shift to, as I said, kind of different roles that might be more interesting or exciting. You know, dynamic that's going on. I don't think it's a lack of skills. I think it's a. It, we've seen a lifestyle change amongst candidates and the the um, employee market, so to speak. And so the little joke I've been saying for the last several months is the doctors have become bartenders and the bartenders have become bloggers. And so we can't find folks who already have the skills we're looking for because everyone's taking about a half a step or some big giant leap, um, rethinking their careers as a whole. Uh, We had that accidental opportunity to to, to reset our lives, to rethink about what we're doing. And, and we were all on kind of this fast train going forward. And then suddenly there was a big, you know, global pandemic that made us stop and think. And, uh, and so what we're seeing a lot of is, is lifestyle changes. You know, n- nobody, nobody lost their skill set over the last 24 months, uh, 20, two months. Um, the, everyone still, still exists uh, uh, in, in that, um, with their skill set still exist, I just think that that's not necessarily what everyone wants to do anymore. So we're seeing people shift to, as I said, kind of different roles that might be more interesting or exciting, you know, always wanted to be a, and now they're getting to go take that chance. And then we're also seeing people do things like moving from full-time employment and working those 50 plus hour weeks to doing consulting gigs, maybe three or six months so that they can go travel with their family the, the rest of the year or, um, you know, really changing of lifestyles too. So we're seeing, certainly seeing that uh, happening as well. I think just from a narrative perspective, the the shift in the terminology, you know, the first half of 2021 was all the great recession. And I've started hearing much more of the great reshuffling instead, right? As you said, it's, it's not necessarily 
we, we still have not had everybody come back from the workforce that left in 2020, but a lot of it's been like, as you said, maybe I'll try this something different or I'll, or I'll do that. When you still so use the skill sets are out there. What about from a scale perspective? I mean, do we have enough people to fill the demand? If we are willing to bend, I believe that we will. So can I say that every position could be filled day after tomorrow? Absolutely not. I truly believe that the market has shifted in a way that we have fewer opportunities, fewer, fewer folks trying to look for, actively trying to look for the kinds of jobs that companies are, are trying to fill. So we have to think a little bit more creatively, um, be a little bit more flexible in what those, those required skill sets are. What can we build? How can we grow the talent you know, where is the, the baseline of knowledge or skill needed so that we can build that uh, kind of the rest of the pieces of the talent? So it's it's our, our willingness to be flexible with how we hire. And I think we're going to see, continue to see a change in that, continue to see flexibility there. So I want to kind of get even more specific now, because obviously the, the key and the topic that we want to get into here is executive talent, right? So does this description for the talent situation well, as you said, you know, it's nationwide, but then more specific into the central Texas area. Does that hold? And in this case, just so we make sure that we're in the same definition, when I say executive talent, I'm thinking, you know, VPs and C-suite, right? I believe it does. I, I think it's kind of the same phenomenon market wide. And, and we're seeing the same kind of circumstances. We're seeing the same lifestyle decisions happening. Um, we're definitely pulling at the executive level from, you know, furthering our stretch. We, it's not just the Austin market anymore. And, and yeah, I think, I think it really is a, a very similar phenomenon occurring across levels and across functions. And it's the same story at the executive level. Where is our flexibility? Um, you know, we, we could write uh, role criteria to be very specific, but where are the bends? Where can we where can we uh, be a little bit more flexible and a little bit more open um, and help people learn? Whether that's you know we we always want someone who's in our space in our specific market. Maybe we have to be a little more flexible there. Um, someone who's gone through the exact same growth stage in an organization that we're in. Uh, you know maybe we're we're being more flexible there. So I think we're seeing it at the executive level too. Certainly. Yeah, I think it's always funny in, in the, you know, the recruiting that I've done and um, whatever, you either have tend to have one of two situations, right? You either have, you know, I'm looking for a unicorn that can fly or the person you're describing, you're like, yeah, they sit next to you. Like with, you know, the people are here. So if you want somebody else, we have to, as you said, bend on some criteria, there's going to be some sort of learning curve. Functionally, are we seeing certain strengths? Like, is is CEO a strength of Austin? Is COO, CTO, you know, marketing? Like, where functionally are the areas that we're like, you know, we can, we have that talent, we're easy to kind of get, you know, but this talent, and it may even be sector related as well, this talent becomes a little more difficult for us to have. There are certainly areas uh, where we shine, where, where it's easier to look in our own backyard than than to to move further. Um, engineering and technology is certainly one of them, right? We've got a, a great uh, group of CTOs, uh, chief product officers in the in the uh, technology area. I think over the last uh, couple of decades, we've really built good leadership across Austin. So yes, there are certainly, um, and we're seeing more come in, very strong CEOs, COOs, uh, CFOs also. 
the catch is not everyone has to be here anymore. And I think we're seeing, we're, we're losing them, right? <laughs> we're losing some of that talent. The other side of that story, though, is we're also seeing more come in. And we see that on the news every day, right? Every every time another company's building another campus or, or uh, you know, bringing in a higher employment uh, base, that, that's still helping to build not only the uh, the Austin job market, but also that's talent. It, it goes hand in hand, and that includes the executive level talent. So I think the more of those, the more development, the more Austin grows, the more of that leadership talent we're going to see uh, emerging even further. Yeah, so when we think about where the sources are coming from, and I think there's two you know, interesting company life cycles that are occurring that I'm curious your thoughts on how they affect the talent pool. So one obviously is our startup ecosystem continues to grow. We're starting to have exits, right? And so you're seeing, you know, when you have, whether it's an acquisition or even IPO, you know, that C-suite, some of them tend to go like, I'm going to cycle back right back in and want to go, you know, step up a level, but start my own company, right? And our other examples are, you know, are they now kind of on the market and interesting, you know, possibilities. And then the same side is, as you said, like we have, Oracle, Tesla, you know, these large companies move here. How does that change the dynamic? Is it one, is it opening up new possibilities for companies like yourself? Or is also, is it that, hey, all of a sudden, all of our execs are getting phone calls? At the executive level, I'd say less so. I think um, once you've reached an executive level in your career, you're a little more de personally defined and where your sweet spot is, the type and size of the organization you want to be a part of. So, um, so where of course we're going to see some of that polling, uh, you know, um, that love bought away from the startup world uh, is likely going to happen. Uh, I don't think that's really how executive level makes makes their their next job decisions. Um, certainly not in Austin. Uh, I, I do think I think we've built a, a lifestyle city to a large degree, and that's a big part of. Uh, of how people make their their job decisions and their career decisions. And let's face it, with a shortage on the market, people get to make their career decisions. Uh, right now, people get to write their, you know, their top five criteria or top 10 criteria and, and find the roles, the companies, even the, the cultures, uh, the stages that, that they want to be a part of. And so I think someone who's uh, who's a builder who really loves that startup energy and environment, we're probably not going to lose them at the executive level to, you know, Tesla and Amazon. Um, now, at the mid-level, that's a different story. Certainly, it's a lot easier to be bought, uh, right? We, it's very hard to turn down an X thousand dollar raise or, um, you know, the the presumed glory of working in a, in a named company. So, so that's been more challenging. But I think the executives really know where their career is going and, and they built it intentionally, uh, you know, kind of in, in their spaces. I think that becomes an interesting point when you talk about the, you know, the mid-level is being able to be either poached or open up to opportunities. When we're seeing the executive ranks, uh, you know, grow in Austin, are we seeing those sources? We talked about, you know, bending earlier. One of them, is it a lot of, I'm bringing in long track record um, types of people, or is it now is one of the bending is, we're doing these kind of stretch opportunities. It's like, hey, I'm going to go get that, you know, that senior director and this is their time for, you know, a VP type of role. And we're going to let that opportunity. And because as you said, it might be easier 
to to recruit somebody in that from that step up than necessarily saying I'm I got to go get someone who's been ten years in this kind of VP role. Absolutely, no doubt. I we are certainly seeing that, and I think we're going to see more and more of that um, over the course of the next couple of years. Even that it really is, uh, you know, the the idea of build them instead of buying them, right? It, it, and and it's the reason isn't ju- isn't at all monetary, frankly. It's that, again, opportunity that um, people can set their own criteria for the roles they're in. People want to see that growth. So that's what we have to accommodate. This is a growth opportunity now, not a slide in and do the job you've been doing for five years, but rather, hey, you're going to learn and grow and and, uh, see your, your career progress at this organization. So absolutely, we're seeing that. It's interesting that you talk about how this shortage of talent has happened over the last 20 years here in Austin, and that's great history. But in talking about it today, I wanted to get into what's changed, both you talked about nationally, but specifically in Austin. What are the things that are changing now when it comes to recruiting and building that talent base? Well, and I'd say, you know, those waves that have happened in the in the past over the last 25 plus uh, years um, have been we've understood the reason and we've understood how the recovery would happen. And this one's really different because where we understand the reason to a large degree, it's not economically based necessarily. It's not, there's money around y'all. VCs are still throwing money around. They've they've got piles that, uh, that they are ready to spend. And so you can build companies right now. You can get money in the market uh, right now. So it's not for, kind of the same reasons that we've seen in the past. And that's a little harder to recover from. We did, we can't say, you know, when X happens, it's going to get better. And we can plan ahead for that. Here, it's, it's, it's emotional changes. It's people's personal, again, going back to the word lifestyle at the risk of overusing that uh, today with y'all. But uh, it's, it's harder to determine how and when kind of this shortage is going to recover. And I think that's forcing us all to be a little more creative and do things like help uh, help grow people's careers, help pull people into the next step, cross industries a little. So, so we do a little more of that. You're right, we can't look for the unicorn. We certainly can't look for the unicorn with the purple tail and the sparkly horn, right? It, it, and that's what we've been uh, relatively spoiled to over the years, even at the executive level, uh, and so I think that's our story is that we have to change how and who uh, kind of who what our criteria, uh, presumed criteria is um, to be able to open that door a little wider. I don't know what's going to I, I no indicator and I can't wait for someone to act like they know what the indicator is, because that'll be a fun conversation of, of what would uh, what's going to shift this back to how it used to be. I'm not altogether sure it's going to. I think we have a different hiring and employment uh, and job search kind of of, uh, world now. It's interesting because as we've talked to a lot of people here in Austin and got to know the city a lot better, one of the things that people are always mentioning is the traffic. Now, coming from where Jason and I came from, eh, not too bad, but... One of, one of our prior guests talked about how they could network and have a three name tag day. And I'm looking at with the traffic building and with things going on in Taylor and, 
you know, North Austin, you know, with the new Visa campus and Facebook, you know, doing their thing and Google focusing downtown. Is location within Austin now becoming more of an issue in terms of hiring locally? Are people willing to make that commute if it's 30 or 40 minutes? I can I can answer that in, in more an anecdotal way in that um, a, I'm making this up. Please don't quote my numbers, but I'm estimating around 75% of the candidates we talk to ask if this is a remote job. People have really, so again, I'm in the tech industry specifically, our, my company does not require on-site. We have an open office in, in uh, uh, North Central Austin, and people are fully vaccinated. Folks are certainly welcome to use that office space. It is certainly not a full house. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting changes. When I talk about the bartenders becoming bloggers, it's because they don't want to drive to the bar. They don't, I mean, obviously there are about 15 different factors in that as well, but that's that commute, the idea of a commute, because the market is allowed to be so picky, because the market is, or the employee market is, is candidate market is so small, they can be very picky. So required on-site absolutely location's going to matter now. I think people can work within five miles of their house if they choose to put that on their criteria list now. Um, people can demand that they're only interested in working in a remote environment. I'm seeing it all the time. So I don't know how much I'm interested to see how office space plays out. Uh, I am one of the, the strong believers that being together, having a space where you can collaborate live um, makes a difference. It makes a difference to both the productivity of the organization and the culture of the organization. So, so I miss it. I miss being on site and, and being in person, but I don't think I'm going to get my way. I, this is the market has changed. Well, let's talk about one of the more traditional drivers of recruiting. And of course, the salaries, what are you looking at for the next two to three years in terms of executive salaries? We're, we're seeing, uh, higher changes, bigger changes in certain areas or certain disciplines uh, than we are in others. And I think that's the same at the executive level. I think there are some disciplines who can now demand more or are aware of that. And we're seeing a whole market shift as a result. What's interesting is how much the mark, how the parts that aren't changing, uh, that there is a real notion that this is a massive salary increase market and certainly some of that is happening. I would argue that it's here in Austin, it's a little bit less than we'd expect driven by the COVID-related drop in, in candidate, uh, the candidate market and at least equally driven by the big companies coming, right? They can buy those candidates away from us. And as we said earlier, especially at that kind of uh, entry through mid-level uh, and especially now, right, we're watching Austin, uh, the Austin prices overall, the, our, our housing prices escalate. People are like, how could I possibly live here? I need a, you know, ten dollars to $80,000 raise to keep, to keep my home uh, or, or to buy a home. And so, uh, so it's hard to say no to the FANG companies who can sweep in and just add another, you know, add another several thousand dollars to the pot and take them away from the more Austin-based uh, smaller to, to mid-sized companies. So that's certainly been um, 
been a problem. What we're also seeing as a result of that kind of pay play is heavy job hopping. And the reality is candidates aren't learning if they're not staying someplace long enough to learn. And so we're seeing a lot of that kind of spotty resumes, the jumping to the next dollar instead of jumping to the next opportunity. We don't see that at the executive level. Thankfully, we don't see that at the executive level. It's interesting because obviously there's a lot of external factors affecting salaries. We talked about some of them. You know, there's the the, the need for talent. There's inflation today as you know, everybody's talking about it as gas prices go up, et cetera, housing prices going up. There's the pandemic and what that's, um, you know, happened. I, I guess the question comes down to how long do you think those external factors are going to play in this? And how much is it going to be growth of Austin? Oh, you're going to ask me the million dollar question? I don't of know course. if I'm asking the million dollar question. <laughs> Where do I collect the pay for that if I get it right? <laughs> you continue to get great talent as you as you figure if you figure that out, you know. There you go. There you go. Um, I, once again, I think that if someone had the um, willingness to answer that question, they've got some audacity that I don't have. Uh, <laughs> when and how? I don't know. I do believe because I've seen it over and over in my career that at some point the dust is going to settle. I don't at all think we're going to back going back to where we were two years ago or 10 years ago, and it's going to be back to steady as she goes. I think that we're what's going to change is not things going back to how they were, but rather us learning how to do things the new way. Okay. Um, and that absolutely in- includes recruiting. And we talked about this before a little bit. I mean, Austin's rather rare in that it's a city built upon multiple industries. And how easy is it today, once you recruit somebody, if they're from another industry, to put that man or woman into your company? And what does it add to your company in terms of different viewpoints? What does it take away in terms of time to get up to speed? That's one of the that's one of the areas that we're going to have to, and we're already starting to see companies become more flexible to that idea. Um, so, so we've again been very spoiled to writing these unicorn profiles of of who we're looking for, and it does, you know, it does include experience in our very specific space, experience at our very specific stage, and where we're not seeing a lot of that um, conversion from one full industry, you know, going from government to manufacturing or manufacturing to to retail. We're not uh, seeing that much. I anticipate that we are going to see it. Rule of thumb should be in general and kind of even even back in the olden days, two years ago, uh, should be that we're kind of looking for about 80% of that wish list of a profile and we better know what 20% we can guide, groom and grow. You know, what are the most critical? We can't, we can't build this and, and the other pieces that we can. Uh, and I think that's going to hold the same truth now in looking cross industry. Uh, and that's just going to have to be part of that 20% or so that is going to have to be groomable. Um, and I think we're, we're certainly going to see more and more of that. So let's get to the 800 pound gorilla in the room. The pandemic has caused this amazing growth in remote work. I'm one of the outliers. I've been doing this for 25 years, but 
I meet people all the time who now are working out of their homes. They've Airbnb'd for the last year in different cities and different countries. It's both an opportunity and a complexity for talent.